Yeah, we're going to talk about masking today. So we're currently doing one thing I'm not very good at anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out unmasking is a good thing. Letting go of expectations. I'm doing that a lot today and yesterday (laughs) and the day before. Stephanie Dinsmore. And I'm Jody Lockie Doosling. We're two therapists with 33 years of collective experience in the mental health field. Tune in as we get comfortable to talk about things like self improvement, growth, relationships, traumatic experiences, and more. Together, we'll discuss neuroscience, attachment, and trauma and look at holistic and alternative approaches beyond the counseling space. Let's just talk about it. Where did that just get pulled from? I have no idea. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Jody, so today we're finishing our series on the authentic self, and I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the topic of internal family systems, which we know in therapy as IFS, as well as the concepts of masking and unmasking. So how are you feeling today? Masked. Masked. I... <laughs> I'm definitely wearing a little bit of a mask today, Steph. A little bit of an avoidance one, because I'm grieving a little bit for one of my animals. Of or course. Babies. And it's interesting. You still wanted to show up today. You still wanted to be here. Mm-hmm. You wanted to connect to uh, record for our podcast. I know how meaningful this experience is for you. And it's pretty amazing how we can mask up when we need to, to talk and be present. Yes. I mean, honestly, just sitting here with my vulnerability is also good because it's showing other people that, you know, you can be raw, you can be exactly what's going on for yourself or allowing that and really sitting with being that imperfect part of myself, which has been a mask I've worn my whole life is to make, you know, to try to strive to be that perfect part of things Mm -hmm. and doing my job well and my life well and all of these things. But really, you know, we can't even be perfect. So what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. No, that's such a good point. And I think with the mask that we're wearing, it allows us to show up. So sometimes Mm -hmm. masking can be helpful. But maybe can we talk to our listeners about when unmasking is helpful? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a process that I've been doing, and I think you as well, in the last Mm -hmm. maybe even six months, really, it's pretty fresh for me. But really, the last year, I had a lot of stuff go on, some trauma, some grief, some stuff like that. And internal family systems was actually something that really helped me through some of this understand the masks that I have been wearing forever Mm -hmm. and which ones I need to remove, which ones serve a purpose, you know, which ones are no longer ones that are of use to me or maybe I've grown out of them. But sometimes you have to talk to your inner child and your inner self to say, you don't need to mask here anymore. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah, I love that. And, And what does that look like when we say to talk to our inner child, when we're really hoping that we can work to unmask and kind of uncover some of that stuff and allow us to be our authentic selves? What does working on that inner child look like? Good question, Steph. I think a lot of this is out of our conscious awareness. And I think that that is an important point to say is that a lot of this stuff is happening subconsciously or almost even unconsciously. Um, and it's really, you know, kind of strong in our psyche or, or we have these stuck points based on experiences that we've had. 
So really in internal family systems, the biggest piece that resonated with me was this idea of who is your exile. So those parts of yourself that are exiles, and really that's a fancy word for meaning, what parts of me are so hurt? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What parts of me feel so much pain and vulnerability and rawness? and, And, you know, what parts are from childhood experiences or all experiences really, mm-hmm. but mostly informative years uh, when we're learning things. And those pieces that you discovered about yourself, those exiles, did you kind of figure out how they show up in your present life now? Because I wonder if that would be helpful for our listeners to start to identify how does my inner child show up in the present for me? And what does that look like? Yeah, that's a really good one. So um, really, those inner child pieces, those wounded parts of us, really, they are extremely painful. And they're the root of our core and and some of those really big things in, in ourselves. And so things that we typically see in our exiles are like rejection, abandonment, attachment wounds, sadness, pain, that sort of thing. So through different experiences that we've had, we create these parts of ourselves that, you know, then bring in the the concept of managers. And these managers help us to be able to put into place exactly what we need to do to prevent the exiles from coming forward. Uh, And so these managers, uh, you know, really like things like people-pleasing, overworking, scheduling. I I mentioned earlier, one of my exiles is the vulnerability piece of not being like to show your imperfection. Mm -hmm. And the exiles, that's there. And and the manager gets put in place like people-pleasing, like overworking, Mm. Mm -hmm. as an attempt to not allow that exile to be reached again, right? We don't want to trigger that inner exile. Mm And then this really cool concept about firefighters are in place. And so these are those reactive pieces, those pieces that are like when our exiles are triggered, these firefighters come into place to make those exiles go away. Mm, So in an attempt to numb or in an attempt to escape or avoid or distract, as I said today, my mask I'm wearing is avoidance. (laughs) And, you know, these firefighters play a role, right? They try to make sure that, you know, when our wounded parts of ourselves are triggered, Mm -hmm. they can shut it down. Mm -hmm. And so things like... Like, you know, for everybody, it's different. Self-harming, binge eating, shopping, substance use and abuse. I mean, there's there's endless options that we do. So anyway, this topic just really made me think about how much we mask in the in our lives. I think people do. I think as people, we mask every single day and maybe don't even realize it. How we show up in one space might be different and how we show up in another space. I know for you, you and I kind of go back and forth, really challenging one another to say like, hey, your manager's showing up again. You're doing that people pleasing thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's one thing I really appreciate about you is you say, hey, you're doing that again. And I think having those people in our life who can show us and point out to us that we're maybe doing people-pleasing tendencies and things that aren't serving our authentic self. Again, having those safe and authentic people in our life where we can they can be real and honest with us is so, so important. Well, and if we knew what our exiles were, we would be less likely to have these managers and firefighters in place. Mm-hmm. Or if our environments were safe enough to do so, we wouldn't need them in yes. place. So the thing is, is that those managers and firefighters actually helped me survive over the years, Mm -hmm. right? Like the ability to people please equals connection, but not necessarily authentic connection, the connection that other people want you to have. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know I was wearing a mask. It felt very genuine to me. I had no idea that I was people pleasing in an attempt to not feel rejection and abandonment. Do you remember the moment or moments where you realized you were masking up? 
honestly not until this year Mm -hmm. this is only in the last few months that I noticed that before that I would have said I was always being authentic even when I was people pleasing Mm -hmm. I'm similar too. like I don't even know if I realized I was masking up until I really took a step back to say whoa have I actually been my true authentic self with so and so a certain Mm -hmm. person and I've actually been I've been really thinking about it and the answer is no in so many ways I haven't been my authentic self and I'm really striving to live full-heartedly in my authentic self and in that space that I'm really starting to evaluate my own relationships and Mm -hmm. friendships and what that might look like for my future. I totally agree. You said something last podcast actually that stuck out to me and you said when I had the ability to dance and be silly Mm. and be funny and just be exactly who I was and yet be accepted for that. Right. It felt so good. And that immediately made me think you removed the mask. Mm -hmm. That mask was finally removed. And what a difference of how you feel. And do you notice your energy is not depleted at the end of it? Oh, absolutely. And you know, what's so funny is we were listening to the recordings of our first podcast, (laughs) and where we were, you know, having a giggle and just my my big laugh that comes out. I I often try to hide it because so many people have said, Oh, there's that laugh. Or why are you laughing like that? And it actually makes me feel really insecure when people say that and then I kind of stop laughing or I try to you know minimize and mask up because I feel really uncomfortable and it's in those moments where I can have those really big laughs those really big giggles I have actually thought back to moments where I've had that experience and they've been like a really solid core happy memory I love that I think you bring up a good point that when you do laugh like that if it is met with judgment it makes you not want to do it again. Yes, exactly. And so, and it's not to say all masks don't serve a purpose. They really helped us survive. Mm-hmm. Like those managers that we put into place, those firefighters we put into place, whether they are considered healthy or unhealthy, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They actually helped us survive. Yeah, that's so true. I'm even thinking for people or clients, like when they mask up, when it might be necessary for safety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not saying to always have your mask off. We're saying obviously do that in when you can, when it's safe to do so. But if it's in a space where you need to do it as a protective factor, then it is serving a purpose. Those managers, firefighters, and exiles are serving a purpose for you. But that's also maybe um, a realization where you can reach out for some counseling counseling and therapeutic support to, you know, figure out what are some options I have if I am in an unsafe environment where I can't take my mask off. And I think work is a good example of that. We have to be very careful at work, right, with our professional identities Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And I'm talking about more in in institutions that we work in or systems that we work in. And it's not like we can just cry every time we have an emotional reaction to something. (laughs) I mean, you can, like, I'm not saying that that's not okay, But workplaces don't necessarily view that as okay, Mm -hmm. right? Like vulnerability is not something I I find as rewarded Mm -hmm. in workplace. It should be, by the way. That's the message here. It should be, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And so therefore what you're saying is sometimes you actually have to mask as a survival technique, as a purpose that it serves, but then to be able to actually remove that mask when you can, not just keep stuffing it down. It reminds me too so much of the first responders that I work with, whether that's police, fire, paramedic, um, military often for them and how they have survived throughout their careers is they mask up and what do we hear all the time well I'm fear I'm fearful that I won't get promoted or that I'd get demoted or that I'd be told to go off on a stress leave and then you know if I come back I'm doing clerical work and 
you know, their identity being removed from that. And so the fear that is placed, um, you know, in certain professions is so high that I think people are so, so nervous to unmask. And a mask, again, is that protective factor. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you work with people or have people that you feel so connected to that you can be vulnerable with, the days look a lot different, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm lucky that I have a team that I can be like that with. Mm-hmm. And and I feel the difference between when I can or when I can't mask and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I think when we're talking about our authentic self, uh, Steph, what, you know, at what point do we recognize that some of our managers are no longer serving us? Mm-hmm. Like, if, you know, people pleasing, how do we know if it's, if it's no longer serving us in the way we we want it to. I know. And I, I'm struggling with that now, too, because I think in some respects, some of the managers in my life, I can say, hey, it's OK, you're retired. I can put you away. You've served a purpose. And I have grown so much from it. And I am able to live into my authentic self that I can put that away. And almost doing that as a visualization has been really powerful for me. And I don't know if that would help others. But to just kind of visualize, what does it look like to say to your manager, it's okay, you've served your purpose, I don't need you anymore, and thank you for the work that you've done. Yeah, thanks for protecting me. Mm -hmm. Like, let's not even look at it as good versus bad behaviors. It just is neutral. Yes. It's not, you know, good or bad. It's just, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And it served that purpose, right? So I always think of the example, and we talked a little bit about this last time, of when you cry, and immediately there's a feeling of shame. Mm -hmm. And immediately you say to the people that are sitting with you, I'm sorry that I'm crying. And that is a mask. Like that has, we've been taught that through society, through comments like suck it up, walk it off. Mm -hmm. Don't cry. Why are you being a girl? You know, all these sorts of lovely ones. ones. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've been taught that. And so we've learned very quickly to not show that. And when it comes out, when we feel like we don't necessarily have the control over that, what happens then? Like we, we feel shame. We do. I know. And I know when clients come in and if they start crying or I can see that they're tearing up and they're just so quickly trying to hold it, hold it back and not let it single tear drop down. I'm like, Hey, this is the space where it's completely safe. It's okay. This is a space where you can cry, where you can let out all of the emotions. We accept all of them. And it's a place to process and work through how you're feeling and just seeing the difference in their body language. And they're like, wow, okay. I can relax a little bit. I can unmask. And this can be something that's really helpful for me. I feel comfortable is so nice to see. It is. And also just saying to someone like, I'll sit with you while you cry. Mm -hmm. I'm not upset or afraid of that emotion. Mm -hmm. Like bring that sadness to me. I'm okay with it. This is a safe place to use that or to have that. Right. Mm -hmm. And the ability to release, like when it's starting to overflow like that, it means it needs to release. Oh, absolutely. And you just said a comment that was so interesting about it's a safe place to have those emotions. And I feel a lot of children, a lot of youth, even adults in their relationships don't have a safe environment where they can express all emotions. So joy, sadness, grief, anger, all of them. And oftentimes people are just withholding them, holding them back, you know, stuffing them down as much as they can. And then we see those maladaptive coping strategies, things that are really unhelpful. Um, And then they have a really difficult time being their true and authentic self when they go to work or when they're, you know, with their friendships because of how things are happening at home. So that's another reason to maybe reach out for support. How many times do we say things like, that kid is such a good kid? Mm. And what we're seeing is, wow, they're so nice and they're so good and mm-hmm. they're happy and, and you know, they work really hard and they're doing all these things. And, you know, immediately it, it came in, into my head the other day 
that doesn't necessarily mean a good kid. Right. You know, the, the kid that this wasn't a client, this was a personal experience. And the kids that, you know, that I that I'm referring to were actually being abused. And and the response was, but look how good of kids they are. And immediately I thought, wait a second, they're abused kids. That's not the definition of good kids. That is abused kids. They are victims or survivors of abuse. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me think of how much society really reinforces a good kid is one that sits still, yep. listens to what they are told, works hard, makes eye contact with adults, talks to them, and that is considered good. Well, fits within the box, right? And that's when we think about neurodivergency and academics and if students and kids and youth there, you know, need extra support or they learn in a different way, then it's a problem. Right. (laughs) Right? We see this all the time with our own kids, right? Yes, we do. So I think of how much I've actually inadvertently had Nora mask Mm -hmm. by saying things like, sorry, she's really shy. Mm. And then saying after, why am I doing that? Why am I saying, sorry, she's shy? She's actually just who she is. Yeah. But it is society that has programmed that in order to be a good kid, you're a social kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. And yet I don't want her to be, you know, the kid in the box. I want her to be exactly the wild child that she is. Oh, yeah. And, and Same with Haley. It. Yeah. Right. You know, it's interesting. And my, I know mine's a little bit older than yours, yeah. my older one. But uh, I, for the longest time, was always worried about her. I'm like, oh, is she going to have friends? Is she going to succeed in school? And then over time, you know, as I did my own trainings, my own therapy, learned a lot, you know, learned as a parent, realized exactly, yeah, she's perfect how she is. It doesn't matter. And we can celebrate her wildness and her energy because it can show up in so many great ways and we just have to adapt to how she learns and it might be different parenting the kid in front of you right for exactly who they are and i think this brings us to the point of how do we demask or Mm -hmm. unmask i don't know if demask is even a word Mm -hmm. but how do we remove that mask Mm -hmm. and becoming more of our authentic self means Mm self-compassion so what i first did was actually wrote out the pie chart of ifs and wrote out the different areas of which i have managers and firefighters and exiles and who my core self is Mm -hmm. and that helped me kind of get some direction about what masks still serve me what masks have i outgrown do i not need anymore what masks have I created environments where I no longer need to do those things um, and I can be my true self and then being able to let go of some of those things and embrace or cultivate or foster my imperfect self Mm. because we are all imperfect. So why don't we celebrate that more? And if people wanted to learn more about IFS, like where do they find some of these resources like the pie chart that you're talking about? Yeah, you can Google IFS and the it's just literally a pie chart. Mm-hmm. You can Google that and plug it in yourself or you can reach out for counseling because I do find that you need somebody to reinforce some of those behaviors as they're popping up and remind you, hey, you're being hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. Your subconscious li- is listening to you. You know, your psyche is stuck in these parts based on your inner child. And uh, a lot of inner child work that I do both with myself, but with clients as well is fostering authenticity and Mm -hmm. and allowing to honor and validate that inner child and all of the experiences that they've had. I love that. So if you're trying to Google to find that pie chart Jody's talking about, we're going to attach it in our notes. So it's really easy and accessible for you right there. And I know you you work from an IFS informed approach, and then I will I'm actually going to Egypt at the I end know. of the year now to be trained in level one for IFS. So this is definitely something that we offer here at Mindful Path Counseling. 
And yeah, again, it's another trauma modality that we can utilize in our work together to work on things like the inner child, unmasking, and yeah, of self. Yeah, like just being authentic, moving towards that more of that authentic person and getting rid of as many masks as we possibly can Mm -hmm. in the safe environments that we have to do so. Mm -hmm. And I know we will have some conversations in therapy in our work with clients about when you might need to keep your mask on for a period of time again for safety and that's okay yeah like when we're grieving Mm -hmm. and sometimes we have to put it on a shelf because we're still life still goes on and it and it's hard and we wish life could stop a little bit for us to catch up Mm -hmm. but sometimes we have to keep going yeah and I hear from clients you know I have to go to work tomorrow because I'm not on a salary job I don't have a vacation day or a mental health day you know, how can I show up and do my work so I have that paycheck to pay my rent? Um, And we do talk about how masking will serve them in that moment for those eight hours and then how they can serve themselves by unmasking at the end of the day when they have that time to themselves and that space. And then we do that work too. What would you tell your inner child, Steph, now that you've done this work on masking and unmasking? How and what would you say to her? Hmm. I think I would tell her that it's okay. It's okay to be fun and to be silly and to, you know, just live into what I'm experiencing and to have fun. And the more you mask, the less fun you have. So I think it's so important now that I do that because I've realized how much happier I am as a person and my connections are deeper, life feels more fulfilling that way. So I just wish my younger self would have known that because I think over the years I masked so much in my relationships and my friendships and I was so nervous about screwing up or fear of missing out on something that I was not my true self. And it's been a really powerful realization this year. And I think you have to have people in your life that say, it's okay to remove that mask now. I got you. Mm-hmm. Like you, I want you to be your fun, silly self. I like your big laugh. <laughs> I was hoping it would come out there. <laughs> yes. But, you know, and allowing that to happen because I, I think that that is where we really get in touch with our authenticity and how to remove some of those pieces. I know. Well, thank you so much, Jody. I have had such a good conversation talking about the authentic self over our mini series and learning a little bit more about internal family systems today. Again, if you want to help support our podcast, please go on Apple and like us and give us a follow and five star review. And we will see you at our next mini series and it'll be on creative healing. Take those masks off. (laughs) Take them off. (laughs) All the way up.